sister, why do we insist on doing everything alone? Like seriously, I know that as women, we probably like to go shopping together and get our nails done together and do the fun things together. But when we're having a problem, when we are experiencing an issue, why is it that we insist so much on doing it on our own, figuring it out on our own, figuring out how to clean up the mistakes and the messes on our own? Why do we feel like this is something we have to do? Because here's the thing, not only is this a bad strategy when it comes to our health, our stress levels, and even our ability to be productive and victorious, but it's literally a strategy of the enemy to wear us out. It's not how God called us to live. You know, we've got Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 to 10, where he says that two are better than one. We get more value when we go together. We can do more together. You know, James 5, 16 tells us point blank, look, you're going to have to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so you can get healed. We can't do it alone. And Galatians 6, 2, clearly Paul tells us bear one another's burdens. So I'm just wanting to have this conversation here that says, why do we insist on doing it alone? Because maybe if we can uncover the, the reasons, the lies, the fears for why we do this, we can stop doing it. So if you're ready to dig into this with me, I want you to grab your Bible, your journal, and a pen, and let's go. Well, hey there, and welcome back to the Physician of Prosper podcast. I'm your host, Erica Pyle, and today we're going to be talking about why we insist so much on doing things alone. Now, listen, I know we're women, so, you know, in general, I guess a generality about women is we do like to do things together. We do like to talk about stuff. We do like to do activities together in general, you know, and especially if you're an extrovert who gets your energy from being around other people, then maybe this at first blush wouldn't seem like such a big, you know, deal. But the reality is if I ask you to start thinking about places where maybe you've made a mistake or you've fallen into like a sinful behavior, or you've made a big mess. Think about those moments, because I think that in general, for most of us, we all have a tough time in situations like that, asking for someone to go along with us. You know, we try to figure it out on our own. We try to clean up our own messes and mistakes on our own. We we just try so hard. And I think that there are some general, you know, lies and fears that we have that we are allowing to have place. And that's what's causing us to make this choice of insisting on doing it alone. And like I said in the intro, this just it's just a bad strategy when it comes to, you know, our health and our stress levels. Our, you know, a lot of times we're feeling overwhelmed because we're dealing with things on our own that that we shouldn't be. And I'm not saying that we should be the kind of people that are throwing our stuff on one another and like not taking responsibility and acting like victims. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, the Bible's clear. We were not designed designed to do things alone. We weren't designed to do this life alone. And so there are some things that we are trying to do on our own that like 
a person can't even fix for us. So we need to we need to consider that. And so that's why I want to get into this, you know, today and just talk briefly about why we do these things so that maybe we can exchange the lies and the fear for something better. And then we can talk about how to practice what we've learned. So I don't anticipate this to be a very long episode, but I wanted to get this out there because I believe that this is truly one of the biggest reasons for why you're living overwhelmed. This is one of the biggest reasons for why you're living under your potential. This is one of the biggest reasons for why you're living like feeling oppressed or feeling like you can't and feeling stuck. Um, It's one of the biggest reasons for why we have hidden like a hidden sense of bitterness against others. Because a lot of times we know that we're meant not meant to be doing things alone, but then we're like, well, people aren't helping me. And then we get mad. And it's like, but did you help? Did you ask for help? You know, did you, did you reach out? Did you explain? Well, they should know. No, sister, th- that is called codependency. And you got to be real careful about that because yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious when, you know, someone's been hit by a truck right? It's pretty obvious when someone has been, you know, manhandled with words by another person in in a person's presence, like we can see those things. But here's what we can't see. We cannot see how a person's heart is processing what was done to them. And we cannot, it's not to us to absolutely know what a person is struggling with under the action that was taken, how they're processing it and what they need. And so we need to be people, we need to be women who are following Jesus, who are good at articulating what we need and articulating specifically what we need help with if we want someone to come alongside. So first and foremost, I just want to break that, that little that little demon in Jesus' mighty name. I want to break that off of you because the reality is the enemy tries to sow that seed into so many minds. Well, they if they loved me, they would know. If they really loved me, if they really cared, then they would know that I'm over here suffering in silence. They would know. And that's a lie. And so you've got to give that back to Jesus and say, you know what, I'm going to take my responsibility back. I'm going to take my power back. And I'm going to realize that if I need help, if I want someone to go on the journey with me to resolving this issue or to making this process um, a little richer, um, if I want help, I'm going to ask for it and I'm going to be specific. Amen. You've got to do that. Like it's it's just going to ruin your life if you keep on walking through life thinking that other people should just see and understand and know what you're going through. It's it's just not a realistic expectation and that's on you boo. It's not on anybody else. There is no course that we can take biblical or otherwise um to learn how to like solve your own heart issues. <laughs> like even the Bible tells us that we can't know the heart of a man. We can't you know, Jesus knows the heart of man, but we can't. And so we are left with communication. We can ask the Holy Spirit for words of knowledge, but that's not something that we can tell God like, hey, give other people the responsibility and the job to always ask for discernment so they know what's going on on the inside of me. That is codependency. And that's not the kind of interdependence that God was talking about in the Bible when he says that we should do life together. Make sense? All right. So I think there are three main reasons for why we believe the lie that we have to do it alone. 
Okay, and so I'm going to go through each of these three, and um, and then we're going to talk about how we can exchange these lies um, for truth, and then practice the truth. Okay, so the first one, the first one that I see a lot is we do things, we try to do things on our own because we think it adds to our value. We have this really skewed view of effort in the church, and I need you to hear me. Effort isn't worth anything when it comes to your value. Zero. I teach my church, um, my husband and I teach our church that effort, the value of effort is in the fact that it positions you to go with God. So you are you are toiling or you are making effort in alignment with what God is doing, and it provides you an opportunity to labor alongside God. That's why we have the ability to put forth effort is so that we can go with God. And so effort, our effort and aligning our effort with what God is doing, what he's saying and what he's telling us to do, it's actually, that's obedience and that's a positioning mechanism in the kingdom. And so when we get when we get tricked into thinking that effort adds to our value, we'll get all screwed up. So it's like we're trying to like show these these, you know, these trophies to God and he's like, "I don't that's not how I operate. Our value is established in Christ and Christ alone. We are creations of God. And when we're reconciled to the heart of the Father, he sees us because we come through Jesus to be reconciled to the heart of God. He sees us through the lens of Christ. And so our value is established because of our positioning in Christ. So our effort means literally nothing to God in that vein. I like I know it's an offensive thought, but you have to believe me because if you don't, you will go to striving. You will go to striving and you need to understand that he thinks you are perfect because he's seeing you through the lens of Christ. You don't have to do anything. Think about it. Do you think that he loves you more than he loves a paraplegic? No, right? That'd be so stupid. But the reality is you can put forth more effort than a paraplegic can simply because you have all your limbs and they do not. So if you believe this idea that your effort establishes value in any way, you're, you know, you just putting forth work and figuring things out and cleaning things up and doing things, then you've also got to believe the lie that, well, if I have more skills, then I'm more highly valued than somebody else. And that's just ridiculous. So understand your value is established in Christ. Effort in this vein has zero value added. And nowhere, listen, nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to figure anything out on your own. It says throughout the Bible that you are to trust and obey God. And so that really is what makes the difference. Again, doesn't change our value, but that's what gets us rightly positioned. So the lie of, well, I'm figuring it out on my own because I think in some intrinsic way that it increases my value before God, it's a lie. And the truth is our value is established in Christ. So we don't have to use that as an excuse to go alone. The second reason why I think that we try to go it alone so much is because we think that we deserve to have to clean up our own messes. 
It's this humanistic mindset that goes, well, I got myself into this mess. And so it sounds reasonable that I would have to clean it up on my own. Nobody else did this. So I'm going to have to clean it up on my own. Think about it like this for a second. You've got a toddler and they are trying to pour milk into their cereal for the very first time. And you're letting this happen. And they spill the entire carton of milk all over the floor and the bowl of cereal goes flying. Are you expecting that toddler to clean up their mess? No. And for multiple reasons. Number one, you know that that toddler does not have the capacity to clean up that mess. And secondly, you know that if that toddler tries to clean up that mess, they're going to make a bigger mess. (laughs) This is how God looks at us. It is impossible for us to clean up our mess. We need Jesus. We need the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. And sometimes, because we're talking about why do we insist on doing it alone? Well, in this case, it's there's a dual meaning here. We cannot clean up our messes without Christ. But also, if we're trying to clean up our own mess without the blood of Jesus and realizing that that's what's sufficient, maybe we need a friend who comes alongside and is like, hey, sister, you don't have to clean up this mess on your own. Like it's, you can't, you literally can't. And here's what's crazy is when we do try to clean up our own messes, right? We're going to make a bigger mess. We will inevitably make a bigger mess because what we think is value in cleaning up messes, we wind up insulting people. We wind up going too big. We wind up making other messes. It's just ridiculous. And so we need to remember when we make a mess that Jesus is the one who cleans up our messes for us. He actually has already cleaned up all the messes that we're ever going to make. And so when we insist on going alone, what really happens is we don't have anyone around us to remind us of this fact, of this truth, that we are loved even in our messes and that we have a father who has already cleaned up our mess for us. And in the midst of that, I understand that when we talk about cleaning up our messes, we know that sometimes we're going to have to make an apology. We know that sometimes we're going to have to go to someone and clean up the mess in the relationship. Maybe we've made a mess in a relationship. Well, even in that, it's hard to do it alone. Because first of all, you have to be reminded that Jesus is your justification. So if you don't remember that, you're going to go into that conversation and you're going to be trying to make all sorts of excuses and justifications for why you did what you did. When in reality, the best way to resolve a relationship where you've made a mess is to say, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong when I did X, Y, and Z. I feel terrible about it. I've repented to the Lord. I know why I did what I did and it was wrong. How can I help you to hook your heart back together with mine? How can we get reconnected in this? And let them tell you. And so in that sense, like you can't do that alone. You have to have a conversation with somebody else. So it's like, it's just even in cleaning up messes, we cannot go alone. Now, the third reason for why I think we try to go alone And this tends to be 
and all-encompassing. Now, understand, it's not it's never that just one of these is in action, right? Like we we could be a 1, we could be a 1 2, we could be 1 2 3, we could be a 3 1. <laughs> like we could have multiple combinations here. It rarely is that just one of these is in action um, when we're making that excuse for why we go it alone. And number 3, the reason number 3 reason why I believe that we try to insist on going it alone is because Asking for help feels scary. Asking for help feels scary. It's it's vulnerable. What if when you ask for help, the response is, you can't do that on your own? What's wrong with you? And in our current culture, in the world, they, the world thinks that you should be able to do a lot more on your own because there's a spirit of independence on this culture. So they're going to judge you for for even having the thought that maybe you should go together because one of the enemy's strategies is to separate us. Remember, the greatest joy for Jesus in the body of Christ is unity, Ephesians 4, friend. So of course, the enemy is going to be trying to pump out the propaganda that you should be able to do this alone. You should be able to do it independently. He's doing that. So, you know, we get scared that people are going to, it's so vulnerable and people are going to judge us for quote unquote, needing to ask for help. Look, you don't, it's it's so weird. It's, it's an obedience in many ways to ask for help because this is how God designed us in the body of Christ is to go together. I, I highlighted already in the intro, James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so you may be healed. Like, it's like, you gotta do it. Like, this is a strategy that God is giving us to be healed. So I'm like, "Mm, if God's telling us to do it like that, I'm going to resist the enemy when he tries to tell me, oh, you should be able to do it alone. You should really be able to do it alone. No, no, I shouldn't because I'm going to believe the word of God, right? Um, Another reason that that it feels scary for us is because what if they say no? Now we've become vulnerable. We've told them that we have a weakness. We told them that we have a need and they say no. Well, now we take that to our value. We take that to us. We think there must be something wrong with me. I must be too much. I must, there must be something wrong with me that they don't want to help me. And now we're scared because they've said no. When in reality, someone else's no says more about them than it says about you. And you've got to get good at going to that thought when someone says no to you. Someone who's saying no is saying something more about them than they are about you. Even if it's just that, they have a good boundary and they know that they're not meant to help you on something. And so they've said no. That says something about them. It says something about their boundaries and where they've set their boundaries. It says nothing about your value. It says nothing about you. So you've got to get good at that. And another reason why it feels scary for us, I think, is because we might think, what if they try to, what if I give them this information and I show my vulnerability and I invite them into my world and I invite them into this, un, what feels to me to be an unsafe space? What if they try to control me? What if they try to make me like them? What if they try to force me and intimidate me and matib- manipulate me into doing it the way they want it done? What if they try to profit off of me because I've shown them my vulnerability? It's scary. The reality is God says that we're designed to go together and that he is our protection. And so, you know, when you're asking someone to help you, when you're asking someone to come into your world to help you with something so you don't go alone, 
It is wisdom to ask who's the right person to reveal this to. Not everybody gets access to your vulnerabilities. That would be ridiculousness. Don't even think that for a second. You're not just supposed to hold open, you know, your doors and be like, anybody who wants to come and help me with this wildly vulnerable thing I'm dealing with, that's stupidity. We want to use wisdom. So first and foremost, ask the Lord, who should be helping me in this? Who could help me in this? Who have you assigned to help me in this? And quite frankly, like this is one of the reasons why it's so powerful and vital for you to be in a church family and to be rightly seated in apostolic covering, because you should have a shepherd. You should have an earthside shepherd. Yes, Jesus is the capital S shepherd of you. But the way that Jesus set up the church is that you would have teachers within the church. He gave the fivefold ministry to the church as gifts. So there are people that are evangelists that are going to help you to resonate with the truth of who Jesus is. There are um, apostles that are going to call out the pattern out of the kingdom of heaven and help you to pattern your life after what the kingdom is like. Then there's the, um, you know, the prophetic voices that are going to prophesy over you. There's the teachers, there's the pastors. Come on. So use these, use these gifts that God has given to the church, but this is the wisdom. And that's why I believe that being a part of a healthy church where the apostolic is in place and where you are submitting right under the authority of God. And the fact that he put you into that place is super helpful. So what what do we do now that we have these three things that you know maybe we're aware of this is you know this is getting us to try and go it alone how do we how do we get away from that well i think that it is wrapped up in this one simple idea we have to exchange the lies that we're believing about going it alone and we have to practice the truth that God gives us. I believe that I've uncovered some truths here for you. And so it should be fairly easy for you to identify the lies that you've been resonating with for why you're going it alone. And then you're able to exchange and go, well, that's a lie, but this is the truth. This is the scripture. This is what God has said about what's true, right? And I've given you a few of those scriptural references in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10. And I've given it to you in James 5, 16. And I've given it to you in Galatians 6, 2, right? So I want you to be able to see like there is value in going with others, but now you're going to have to solidify that truth in your own heart, in your own heart. Because if you don't, you will keep going back to the lies and it's the lies that will continue to get you to do it alone. And you don't want to do that anymore. So the first step is really to make the exchange, right? We're meant to live in relationships where we help and serve one another with appropriate boundaries. That's the truth. And there are many scriptures, even more than the three that I shared with you earlier, that can get you there and that can serve as a firm foundation in Christ for why we believe that we can go together and we can help one another. But where do you practice this? Where can you practice this? Well, first of all, I told you, the church, right? You need to be in an alive, active, rightly aligned, apostolic covering church. Like, you need that. So go find yourself a healthy church family that God is calling you to and he's planting you in and submit appropriately to the authority and get on your way to doing life together with a family. 
That's first and foremost. But also, I just want to invite you to come and do it inside of my Revive Woman ministry community. We have this vibrant community of women who are doing life together, and we're practicing healthy hygiene like this. We're not going alone. We go together and we do it with appropriate boundaries and appropriate encouragement of one another. And there's covering there, there's leadership there. And so if you're not yet a part of the Revive Woman community, I want to invite you to come and follow us. Um, Follow our accounts on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, You can find our Facebook page by going to revivewoman.org slash FB. Um, On Instagram, you can just find us. We're Revive Woman. And just come follow because there's a lot of encouragement and equipping and empowering that happens just in the content that we share. But also, we have an event coming up on August 14th. And here's the thing. These happen every quarter. So if you're listening to this episode and you're like, "Um, that's already passed, don't worry. Another one's coming up. So if you just go and follow us on our Facebook and Instagram feeds, you're going to hear about the events that we have coming up. But right now, we've got one coming up on Monday, August 14th. It's called Girls Night Out. And it's a live event that we do both in person on campus at the Revive Church of Tampa location, but we also do an online experience. And when I say experience, I don't mean like we just stream it, okay? I'm talking about we have pastors and leaders of our of our ministry who are in the comments. They're inside the conversation that's happening as this event is happening. And we're also encouraging members of our community to host in their own home and then to have additional conversations about what we're talking about in the live event. And so this provides an opportunity for you to practice what it looks like to reach out and to connect with other like-minded, like-spirited women who want to follow Jesus like this. And it produces relationships that when you are going through things, it's these are people that you can reach out to and say, hey, I don't want to do this alone. You know, what's fun is that this GNO, our theme is we go together. And so I'm going to be talking specifically about this concept And we're going to be praying into it and we're going to be practicing it as we go through this Girls' Night Out event. So if you want to learn more information about it and let us know that you're coming, you can go to revivewoman.org slash GNO info. And I would absolutely love to see you there because here's the thing, even if you're not showing up in our live event, our in-person event in West Tampa, um, I get into the comments. So as you're experiencing the event online, I'm going to come back there later on and I'm going to engage with you. And so I want to see all the revs that you're experiencing. I want to see the truth that God is bringing to you. And I want to see you connecting in the comments because this can change your life. And this can be a place where you can build a community, where you can build a community of like-minded, like-spirited women who don't want to go alone. We're going to go together. And so I hope to see you there. All right, friend, until next week, I pray you have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Oh, 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 oh,